0: Rep Radio again, and it's your host, Phil Campion, XD Squadron 22SAS, on time and on target with Rep Radio, so let's get it going. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about anti-piracy and what I was up to off the coast of Somalia. We're also going to debrief slightly the Great Club event which has just happened in Virginia, which was an absolute success. So we're going to have a little look at what we did down there because I was really, really impressed with not only the staff that I met there for the first time, but also with the punters that came along and gave their all and had an absolutely splendid weekend with myself, Brandon and the guys. It really was, it really was something special. So uh, let's start there, shall we? Shall we debrief the Crate Club Academy? Well, the Crate Club Academy was exactly what it says on the tin. We moved over to to the racetrack. In West Virginia, bordering North Carolina, you have to excuse my geography because it is absolutely poor. And I literally just jumped off a plane and went where I was told. So, yeah, really, really, uh, really SF experience for me, just jumping off and into a new country and off. But we hit the racetrack. We met with the guys the night before, all staying in a hotel, which was which was good. Everybody under the same roof, sharing rooms, which was awesome because it meant you got to meet people. You you got a bunking buddy straight away and somebody to watch your back. First night then and we met in town. Had a bit to eat, which was great. We had some scoff. You know me, I can't march five minutes without getting something in my stomach. So we had a couple of beers with the fellas. It was good. We got to meet them. Uh, everybody turned up to that. Myself, Brandon was there, Nick Kaufman, all the guys. So all the guys, your regulars on here, everybody there. And it was fun. We had a good night out. And I so say, next minute, next morning, up bright and breezy in the morning and down to the racetrack where well, we had breakfast together, which was again a very pleasant experience. And we first met the guys down at the racetrack and had our first lessons. Now, the lessons covered really well phenomenal. I didn't stop learning the whole time I was there, let alone the Panthers. I've got to tell you, it was a really, really good week. My stuff was all based around driving and techniques and EDC and first aid and all sorts of bits and pieces, but there was all sorts going on. And I think the guys that came down to, to, to have a look, and I'm telling you what, the backgrounds on these people, they were from all over the place. We had a we had a dentist there. We had a psychiatrist there. We had some. We had some young guys. We had some young blood coming through that which, which, which were enjoying themselves. Their old man brought them actually. Yeah, we had we had people from across society who decided to come and try the crate club, the crate club experience, with, and actually, you know, get down with the with the guys. So, I talked them about the regimental ethos, which you all know from here, of course. And we did some really cool things. We 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 did some we did some stuff on the ranges. And I've got to tell you, the guys that we had working with on the ranges, I learned stuff myself there, which I hadn't really sort of, had, you know, I, you know what it was like for us limies. We don't get a lot of range time, so it was really good for me to get on the ranges and do some really cool stuff and the guys there they knew that they knew their onions as we say over our way they knew what they were talking about so some ex- extremely experienced guys on the range in fact yeah you know, i don't think i've been on the range with so many guys Jeez, what was one of the guys there? <laughs> one of the guys there is probably take, taking more lives than smallpox <laughs> it really was it really was a, 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 some top people on the ranges so really experienced. did some driving skills which was good on the skid man you know in in one of your old american style police cars went hacking around and that did some stuff together uh buddy driving you and that sort of stuff blindfolded and all all the good stuff so some more operator skills coming out to the fort and like I say for me the lectures the lectures were great we learned all about EDC American style which of course I'm not American so I got EDC UK style and we talked about various bits and pieces and I gave a presentation on some stuff which you know I've done in in, in a former life as a special forces operator which I'm not going to spoil for people on here because if you want to see it you're going to have to see it next time I will be doing it again because it went down really, really well. So talking about a few bits and pieces which I've done before. And like I say, for me, I never stopped learning from the time I got there till the time I left. And we met some really, really, really cool people, like they're saying. Anyone who was involved with that event the Crate Club Academy thanks for coming thanks for taking the time out of your lives to come and spend some of it with me because I really really genuinely enjoyed the experience it was a really top top weekend so highly recommended and I've got a feeling we'll be doing a few more in the future and of course those guys that went on that one you are now the originals you are the first ones so expect to see a couple of you coming back one day and maybe even maybe even ended up as instructors who knows the DS the directing staff that would be cool wouldn't it so uh, yeah yeah, good good stuff all round. Let's um let's swing fire tightly then and let's talk about let's talk about anti piracy. Now I know a lot of guys out there would have been saying, Yeah, we went down to Somalia and all that sort of stuff. The first thing I did, and it must have been about oh, how many years ago? It must have been about ten years ago, ten or fifteen years ago, and I started taking calls off a friend of mine saying, Phil, do you want to come down to do you wanna come down to the Gulf of Aden, the GRA, and have a look at this? anti-piracy stuff that's going on. And I was a bit sceptical. I was like, anti-piracy? What are they pirates? And he explained to me that these Somali, at the time they weren't no more than Somali fishermen, you know, had, had, had suffered a few losses with the fishing industry, had been closed down here, a couple of oil slicks and a bit of bad luck. And they were now taken to the robbing tankers and holding the hostage, taking them down the range, mooring them up, and demanding huge sums of money for them. So that was the basic sketch. In the early days, like I say, these guys were railroaded into it. A little bit. It wasn't, you know, these guys These guys were menaces. They were just trying to make some money, and I'm going to tell you that now because a lot of people have got this picture of, you know, really evil, horrible people, and to be honest... It was a bit of piracy, and if I was hungry and, you know, I couldn't get nothing, you know, you'd have to sometimes think to yourself, what would you do in that situation? Uh, luckily, I'm not in that situation. But like I say, I can empathise, if nothing else, with the guys who were there at the time, and they really were just flip-flop wearing local guys who were sheep sheepherders and, and the like. They had no idea what they were doing with their weapons, really, and their tactics were just to try and stop the ship, get on board, and get a weapon in someone's face, so that they could have enough time to get the ship back to thing and then start making negotiations. Now, over the time, this obviously changed a little bit because people could obviously see what was going on and the potential for big money. These people didn't want big money. I've got to tell you, the first pirates I came across didn't want big money. They wanted to be fed. They wanted to be watered. They wanted just some food and some, some, some supplements for their family, to be honest. But it wasn't happening. And like I say before, you know, the big guys have moved in behind them and there's a more sinister feel to what they were doing. But in the early days... It really was just a few guys on some skiffs with not very good weapons, flip-flop wearing really was, you know, they they weren't up to much whatsoever, but they were boarding ships. And so to that end, in the early days, you couldn't be armed. You didn't have any weapons on the ships at all. So what were we doing? Well, we were putting defences on the ships. We were putting barbed wire. We were using barrels. We were greasing the decks. And uh, we were doing anything we could to stop people boarding. And I would tell captains of ships, do anything you can. Outrun them. Keep going. Because basically, the way I looked at it in those early days was, they don't have a lot of ammunition. They certainly haven't got a lot of fuel. And if you can outrun them or keep them shooting at you, they'll run out of one, sooner or the other. So if you could make them shoot, we used to put dummies out. And ultimately, if you could get these people shooting their weapons, they'd be using up their ammunition, and there'd be less chance of them using anything on the ship. Uh, in the mid you had flares... If you were lucky, I'd seen catapults, I'd seen horse sorts on there. But you know, being being unarmed as a as a British person, is nothing unusual to me, and I've been unarmed in some extraordinary situations before, you know, in in other corners of the world. So I wasn't particularly worried about it. Like I say, and the plan would be to to get the crew out of the way, get them down where they couldn't be couldn't be a target to anybody, get them in the hold of the ship, get them in the bottom, into the citadels, and literally try and outrun the pirates or stop them getting on board. And you would do that with flares, with nail bombs made of petrol, all sorts of stuff. It really was. It was like the old eighteen days. It was like you know you were you were welding stuff to the side of the ship and all that sort of stuff. And for a while, it was quite good fun. I've got to tell you, I enjoyed it. Uh, we were making some good money as well. I mean, I mean, the Swedish company I worked for originally, when I first went down, there, they were paying eight or nine hundred dollars a day, which is more. That's unheard of nowadays. Uh, I remember my first ever trip. I went down to Muscat for the friend of mine who kept phoning me up, and he literally he says to me, he "says There'll be some gear on the on the side of the on the dock." I said, "Yeah, okay, I'll go and get the gear." So I flew the Muscat. I was met by the shipping company, Gag, the agency. We put us in. We got down to the dock, and I said to them, "Where's my, uh, where's my gear for this ship?" And the guy said, "No gear here." I said, "What? What do you mean, no gear here?" He says, "We don't have no gear for you." I said, oh, "I have gear. I have barbed wire. I have some extra flares coming on. I've got lots of stuff for the ship because there's nothing here." So I phoned up my mate in England, and I said to him, Look, mate. I says, what's going on?" He says, uh, "He says nobody said it was going to be easy." And he hung up. (laughs) Unbelievable. So there I am on the dock. I managed to eventually get the agent to disappear into town. And he comes back with one roll of gardening wire. And I'm like, wow, geez, great, thanks. And we get this gardening wire. We get on board the ship. And the crew were phenomenal. We had um, Filipinos on my first ever ship. And they were. the boatswain had great control of the lads that were working. And we soon had this thing wired up. All the stairwells greased and all that sort of stuff. Don't forget, we've done a lot of work on these ships. And if you look into my social media, at bigfork.com, at Big campion, you'll see some of the photographs of some of the ships that we'd prepared. And there was a lot of preparation. And Don't forget, when you got to wherever you were going, all this stuff would have to come off. It would all have to be cut down and taken back, and all the guns and all the gunnels cleaned, and all the stairwells, all the grease we used to put on them to stop people climbing, all the anti-climb stuff on the side of the ship. Everything, everything would have to come off, and you'd have to start fresh. And those little guys, those little field pillows, would run round with all their cleaning equipment and literally sort the thing out. They were phenomenal people. Um, so we worked really hard, and like I say, for the first four or five trips, we never really had an approach or anything. Uh, there used to be the internationally recognized transit corridor, where you could roll with other ships through the through the fi- pirate waters. That was okay, but the pirates soon identified that either end of these transit corridors were good places to get you. And the first time my ship was ever approached, I was actually on there with a captain from Russia. And he was a drunk, and all he did was drink, and he was petrified, and he'd scared his men. And his men were scared to go through the Gulf of Aden. And we were coming back up north, uh, we were coming through the Gulf of Aden, but towards Egypt. So we're going up the way. And we've come through, and we're on towards the Babel Mendip. And I see on the, on the horizon, I see a couple of little boats bobbing about. And I'm like, oh, are they, aren't they? They're not much intent. And then I see them bump on the radar. And then out towards us. Now the captain sees this at the same time as I does. And he goes into a complete and utter panic about things. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go, sir. These things are getting closer. And I'm telling the captain, I'm going, we need more speed. We need more speed. I says, get this thing going. Get the ship up. So he's radioing down to the, to the, the engineer in the, in the room downstairs, um, in the engine room. And he's asking him for more speed. And he's coming back and saying, look, like, this is as much as I've got. And we're doing 13 knots here. And these skiffs are probably doing on the radar, they're doing about 16 to 20 knots. And the ski's flat and these things are little boats. And there's about three or four of them now we can see coming towards our ship. And we're like, wow here we go we're going to have our first encounter with the pirates so what yeah, happens well they come level with the ship and the first thing I notice is a the familiar sound of a bit of AK-47 coming over the top of the ship at this stage they're not going to hit nobody but we've stuffed the crew downstairs and it's just myself and the captain and there was one other security guy but he was ill he'd had some sort of malaria contract and he was like completely out of it so he's in bed so myself, the captain, and the first mate, we're upstairs, and they're circling us now. And I'm telling them, "Do not stop. Do not stop. No matter what happens, do not stop." And we're getting it again. bop, blah 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 blah. We're getting a few, few, few rounds out, and that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, nah, this is this is awful." Uh, anyway, it goes to and fro. We've we, we've bunged a few flares out at them, and that sort of stuff. And they've realised we're not going to hit them with the flares, but they must have been getting low on our, on, on ammunition because they're now slowing down with the rate of fire. And it was an erratic rate of fire. They're just, they're just spraying and spraying. Do you know what I mean? It ain't no good to them. To, and I'm realising this. And I'm doing anything I can to make them shoot some more. So I'm I'm waving at them. I'm showing them a target. I'm going, no, no, come on, guys. Come on. Don't give up now. Shoot, shoot some more. Do you know what I mean? It was really funny. And um, anyway, they don't. And they get alongside and one of the skiffs is coming in and he's trying to hook a ladder on and I'm now throwing nuts and bolts at this geezer now off the end of the bridge wing you can imagine me on the thing I'm leaning right over the edge of the ship and I'm throwing some nuts and bolts at him and I'm like oh my God, he's going to get on he's definitely going to get on he's got a homemade ladder on his skiff and he's pointing it towards the thing and his boat's going up and down in the wake of our ship and I'm thinking it ain't going to be long before he gets hooked on here and anyway sure enough I'm now looking for stuff to throw at him we've done all the flares I've got nothing to fire at him and he's right by the side of the Shit, but right underneath the bridge wing and I'm like nah this is going to happen these geezers are on they're on these geezers are coming so I run back into the bridge and I have a look around and in the corner of the bridge the captain used to keep his cans of coke in a in a little fridge a tiny little fridge uh, you know one of those ones that you could probably get in your RV or on the back of your truck so I empty the cokes out on the floor grab the fridge out of the thing over above me and run down to the bridge wing lean over and I see these pirates looking up at me now thinking what is he doing and as they look up at me, I throw this fridge with as much might as I could ever muster. I rattle this thing down the side of my boat, and it must be about 30 foot. But by the time it hits their fucking all boat, it is absolutely steaming towards them. And it doesn't do too much to the guy. I wish I'd hit him on the head; It would have absolutely killed him straight out. But it misses the guy, but it hits the front of their thing, and it breaks off the davit. That's holding their piece of rope with the ladder on, and it knocks the ladder all over the place. And the geezer that's holding the ladder, he falls back in the ship. It doesn't hook onto ours properly, and it all comes off. And they find themselves drifting away. At this stage, they look up at us and they think, Phew, "Nutters!" And they must have thought, "We can't," you know, "we we 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 we've taken a bit of a bit of a bash in here." And they wheeled away, and they must have thought, you know, you know, the lack of ammunition and the fact that it was going to take so long to get on board, and we're taking them further out to sea now, further away from where they want to be. So luckily, they must have had a time frame on stuff, and they turned away, and off they went. And we were like, wow, that was close. That was really close. And it you know made me really laugh. The captain turns around, he's like, yes, we've done very well here. We've done very well. You've done very well. You've done very well. You were flapping. You were flapping like a budgie. We've got no wings. You were absolutely right. Anyway, I let him have his moment of glory. He radioed back to his people and told him how he defended himself against pirates and all that sort of stuff. We got off and we came back again on the next trip and a few more and it was quiet for quite some time after that. But the operation started changing as far as the pirates were concerned. And now what they were doing was they were getting more money behind them. They were getting better weapons. They were taking more guys into the theatre. They were putting the skiffs on the ships so they could get more range. You were starting to see them over the other side of the Indian Ocean. The operation was getting a lot bigger as far as they were concerned. The money drops were getting bigger. The money was down to 5, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 million they were getting for these ships. And the ransom, of course, is the crew. No one gives a shit about the ship. No one cares about the ship. They just want the crew. So things had developed. And uh, funnily enough, the wages were coming down. The wages were getting less. You were now getting a few floating armories, and people were managing to get weapons on the ships and that sort of stuff. So the conditions were getting better, but the money was coming down. Now, that's like, I'm thinking now, I don't want to be out anymore because I ain't learning the right money anymore. So, you know, I really was worse me about it. I was like, I need to earn the right money or I ain't doing this. But I remember I took one trip on, we'd gone down and we were off Madagascar when I spotted a mothership coming towards us. And again, the captain went into meltdown, absolute meltdown. He had a complete enough of what he, he didn't want nothing to do with it. So, again, we sent the crew downstairs. I was all a young lad this time. And I remember we were screaming down this hatch. To get more speed, more speed. And this mother ship's coming up on us. And the, sh- and the sea was quite choppy. And I think that's what saved the day. The sea was extremely choppy. But this thing was on us now. It was locked on and it was coming in. And our engine room's pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And we've gone from 11 to 12 knots. But this thing in there is doing about 13.2. We get up to 14, but this thing's still closing. And he's now close enough for us to be able to make people out properly on the back of his thing yeah here they come here they come and we're like this we're base and we're like if this lot get on board we are in deep trouble because they've got no weapons and I've got very very few defences on this ship other than what we normally do but these people are coming and equipped they've got more than one ladder they've got ropes they've got AKs they've got belt fed weapons they've got the lot and we're like oh no this is a bad day at sea anyway I was yelling and screaming at the engineer more power more power more power And he's running and I don't know what he's doing down there. I don't know if he's got a donkey and he's hitting it or he's throwing coal into a furnace. But he manages to get us up to about 13.3, 13.4 knots. And we start to pull away. And when I say pull away, I mean, in the space of an hour, we probably gain about 10 metres. It's insane. It really is cat and mouse. And all the time, I'm yelling at him. I'm waving at the pirates. I'm yelling at him. I'm waving at the pirates. I'm yelling at him. And eventually, we start to pull away and we get a bit of decent distance in between us. And then they, they slow down, and they skew around, and they go to the other way. They must have thought, no, we can't catch them. Or they're running out of fuel, or whatever. I don't care. But they decided enough was enough, and they disappeared. And I've got to tell you, it was close. Anyway, we, we pulled away from there. We slowed the ship down as soon as we got out of sight of these people. And as we slowed down, I heard this almighty boom, and a groan and we'd blown one of our engines. And it's, I've got a photograph of it, and I'm going to put it up on my social media next week. A great big black bloom of smoke came out of our ship, and we were now drifting. The engines had gone. And I'm thinking to myself, if that had been two hours earlier, these pirates would now be running all over this ship. Anyway, you can imagine the captain, who didn't want nothing to do in the first place, is now absolutely running around this ship getting anybody he can into that engine room to mend these engines before one of these ships resurfaces again the mother ships, and they come and have another go yeah it was a very 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 tense time as we run around this ship trying and eventually like I say the guy got it going but we never got up to full speed again we only ever got up to about eight knots we went past Madagascar we went up to uh I think we went into Mombasa with this ship before it got some proper attention that it needed. And uh, as for that captain, he flew home from Mombasa, said he'd had enough, said he wasn't taking the ship anywhere else. He left his job. And it was it. it was it. It was a problem. You know, these crews didn't want to come into these areas. These areas were dangerous. And if they got on board, although they might not kill you straight away because you were the money, you were the money shop, you were what they were after, you were going to spend a long time in captivity. And the next ship I came across was actually in captivity. And we, we, we met it as it came out of captivity after the money drop. And I remember the, the figures coming off this ship were absolutely disheveled. They'd been on it for months. Years, I think, they'd been on it for. And uh, we got them off. It was the MV ne- Nexus. And we took that into Mombasa. And I've never seen a ship in disrepair like it in all my days. It was a complete and utter mess. It really was a complete and utter mess. And we, we, we managed to get this thing refitted enough so that we could get a crew on it and take it back across the way to Chittagong. And um, we dumped it. We actually dumped the ship. They'd had enough of it. It uh, uh, cost them a fortune. But that's another story. That's for another day. I'll do the MV Nexus on another day because that really was, that really was something else. So that's it. That's my introduction into anti-piracy. We'll look a bit more about the MV nex- Nexus next time I'm on. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about... Uh, The modus operandi of the Pirates, which changed. And then the the industry changed. And did it change for the bar? Well, there's not so much piracy nowadays, but there ain't as much work either. And where there's no work, there's no fill. I can tell you that for sure. So I've pulled away from the anti-piracy for a bit because there's not that too much going on for us down there anymore. But for the time that I did spend down there, I did enjoy myself. It was fun. And I did make a little bit of dough as well. So don't forget... Have a look at software.com, See what they're doing I think there's some major stuff happening very, very soon with these people Alright, it's all going to be fun There's going to be some great stuff going on And don't forget, Great Club That's where all the professionals get their gear I get mine from there You get yours from there too There's some great stuff Honestly, the Great Club stuff I've had has been It's it's in my car now It's actually in my car And it goes everywhere with me And I'll take it, you know, it's my EDC It's all my bits and pieces Alright, so don't forget and a butchers at everything we're doing here because it's cool all right and i'm sure i'd like to see you people on the next academy all right so let's see where it goes um i'm out of here for now you check out the sites i've told you check out my social media as well i'm at campaign i'm on twitter i'm on facebook and i'm on insta and until next time who else wins and i'll see you later right on you've been listening to soft rep radio new episodes up every wednesday and friday follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at soft rep radio.